Hey, what's going on, FCA Palm Beach County family? Jason Banzoff here, area representative and producer of the FCA Palm Beach County podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to give you some FCA Palm Beach County updates. So far, we've had a great start to 2023. Last month, we had our annual football clinic, and if you haven't listened to the bonus episode yet, make sure you check it out. We're also finishing up a great 7-on-7 league that we've had for several of the high schools in Palm Beach County. The best thing about it is each week they were presented with the gospel. Now, if you want to learn more or you want to know what FCA is doing in Palm Beach County, make sure you check us out by going to fcapbc.org. Again, that's fcapbc.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram just by searching FCA Palm Beach County. Also, I wanted to read a verse to you, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we do not give up. You know, I love this verse because if I'm being honest with you, sometimes doing good can seem like a burden, especially when you're the only one doing it. So let me just encourage you real quick, never give up in doing good. Whether it's taking the high road when you don't want to, loving others when they're unlovable, or just being the best person that you can be every single day, you'll reap the benefits in due time. Now let's get to our episode. Many titles describe Cameron Dobbs, star student, D1 athlete, coach, journalist, leader, motivator, speaker, podcast host, nonprofit founder, fundraiser, servant, Christ follower, influencer, and advocate. But in December 2020, Cameron was probably best described when she was named Difference Maker by CNN, a video story highlighting her role and impact as she led the Operation Christmas Child at the University of Miami aired on CNN, HLN, and hundreds of affiliates across the nation, along with a digital article produced by CNN. Now, Cameron Dobbs is from Atlanta, Georgia, and she's a three-time Volleyball of the Year player for the state. Among many awards, she received the Presidential Scholarship for her work and leadership in the classroom with a full athletic scholarship to play D1 Volleyball at the School of Her Dreams, the University of Miami in Florida, where she was a leader and a team captain. After playing two seasons with the Canes, Cameron suffered multiple concussions. Her third concussion during her junior year was catastrophic and brought her court time to an abrupt end, snuffing out a potential award-winning college career and her dreams of playing volleyball professionally. She was forced to medically retire in 2020. The six-month mental, physical, and emotional recovery following her injury tormented Cameron as she faced an enormous battle. Uncertainty in her health, education, and future and struggle with the loss of her known identity. Now let's listen in to her story as she shares how God worked in her life, even when it was hard. Hey, Cameron, thank you so much for joining us today. Jason, I'm pumped to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. We are so excited to have you here uh, today. I actually met you at the Orange Bowl breakfast back in December and just loved hearing your story. I'm really excited for what Palm Beach County listeners are going to be hearing from you today. Oh yeah, let's do it. That yeah. that event was absolutely amazing. Such a beautiful event. Not only just honoring all the athletes in the room and and the athletes visiting from Clemson and Tennessee as well, but honoring God too. So yeah. I'm really excited to see that this has come out of it and the conversation to be had tonight. Yeah. So thank you so much. Well, first I want to just share with us a little bit of your upbringing and 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 how you grew up. 
Sure. So I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm a Georgia peach. <laughs> Ironically, growing up, I never drank sweet tea and I did not like country music. So I don't fit all the Georgia stereotypes there. Oh, okay. Um, but I do love country music now. Still don't like sweet tea. There's your hot take of the episode. Okay. But growing up in Atlanta, I grew up in a family of five, a family of faith, and a family of football. So from the get-go, I loved God and I loved sports. And my father kind of started that. Really, my grandfather, I should say. My grandfather played football at Auburn University. My father followed in his footsteps, also playing at Auburn. And then all three of the siblings of the Dobbs kids also played college sports. So my older sister. She's the oldest of all three. Kelsey played volleyball at Auburn. My brother played football at Vanderbilt and myself eventually made it to the University of Miami to play volleyball. So we loved God. We loved sports. We grew up into the church and went to Christian schools our entire life. Granted, that does not mean life was easy and we did not struggle and fail and different things happened there and here and there and in between. But uh, life was awesome. I loved my family and loved them to death today. They they definitely inspired us and taught us to work hard from day one. And for the most part, I think we pretty much delivered with a lot of excellence through our careers. Wow. I love hearing that. So you talked about volleyball. And, and so you, then you went and played volleyball at the University of Miami. So where did your love for volleyball come from? It came from my older sister. So as I mentioned, she first played volleyball and eventually played at Auburn University. And I, having an older sister that's six years older than you, I just wanted to copy anything and everything she did. So whatever she did, whatever she played, I did exactly that. It might have been a little annoying to her, you know, (laughs) back in the day here and there, but I just wanted to be just like her. So when she started playing volleyball, I started playing volleyball. I played the exact same position that she played. And I, I just, I hit it off. I ended up being pretty good and I trained really hard. So I started playing officially for like middle school volleyball in a a legit team in a program when I was about 10, 11 years old. And then I started playing club volleyball, which is like AU basketball or travel ball for baseball. So I started playing club volleyball when I was 13. And really that year was when I knew I wanted to play in college and took it very serious from then on. Wow, that's really, really cool to hear. And I, I love hearing how much your family played a, a role in having family in your, in your life pouring into you, how that just shaped your future and everything. Oh, so. a thousand percent. To, I mean, to go off of that before we, as we get ahead of ourselves here <laughs> is when, like I said, when I was 13, I started playing club and that was when the commitment was there because club is not, it's not inexpensive. So when I was playing club volleyball, my parents were telling me, you know, this, this is because you want to play in the future. Yep. And so, like I said, I turned out being pretty good. So at an early age, I had a lot of national recognition and scholarships started coming in when I was 14 years old before I even got to high school. Wow! And so through that, in order to weed out schools or narrow down my choices, a piece of that was looking to see what I might study and what school I might go to and what I might want to learn and focus on and have a future career in after my volleyball career ended. And I remember standing in my living room one day when I was 13 years old and my mom looked at me and she just said, you know, I think you'd be pretty good at communication. And I just said, okay. And the rest is history. And that's exactly what I did. Exactly what I studied. I never switched a single time my entire, you know, I'm it's 10 years later today. I'm now 23 years old. So 10 years later, I'm still focused in the field of communication and mother knows best and family did (laughs) certainly guide a lot of my career. No, I love that. So I was actually going to ask you then what what drew you to the University of Miami, but I'm I'm guessing uh, the communications is what did that volleyball. What was it that drew you to the University of Miami? 
Truthfully, all the above. So the minute I stepped foot on campus, Miami actually came late in my recruiting process. So I had already had several offers. I had already talked to many, many other schools. I really kind of thought a part of me had decided on maybe a, maybe having a handful of schools ready, not quite committing. And then Miami kind of came out of nowhere and offered me. And when I got that offer, I thought, okay, well, I guess I should probably come down and meet you guys and see the campus and kind of figure out what the U is all about. And so I came down here when I was probably... 15 years old, maybe 16, I think 15 or so that summer I was 15. And the minute I stepped foot on campus, I fell in love. And if you've ever been to the campus at the University of Miami, you know, it is a resort. It is Mm -hmm. so stunning. So beautiful. The city of Miami as is, is just amazing. The culture is awesome. But being on that visit, I fell in love with the program, the coaches, their spirit of excellence, how they treated their athletes, It, it just the chemistry and the culture they had about the entire program program, entire university, and the fact that you could get in studios working as a broadcast journalist your freshman year. That really stood out to me. That visit, I got a tour of all the UMTV studios in the School of Communication. And I was just kind of like awestruck, starstruck, and so excited about what the future could be at the U. So I fell in love day one that I stepped foot on campus. It hasn't changed ever since. And from that moment forward, I knew I would go to the University of Miami and it, it never changed. In my opinion, there's just something about South Florida that makes you fall in love with it when you step foot onto it. And that's the way that's happened to me. It sounds like that's happened to you. So I love hearing that. It's so cool to hear. Uh, so I want you to share your testimony because at the Orange Bowl breakfast, you actually shared your testimony and I thought it was incredibly powerful. So I want you to go ahead and share that because this is probably the, the most exciting thing about this interview I want people to hear. Sure. Well, my career at the University of Miami was anything but ordinary. So just, I mean, before I even get to what I shared at the Orange Bowl Prairie Breakfast was my freshman year, you know, kind of to set the entire scene for you. My freshman year, I came in and I was the only freshman on the team. So for starters, that was nuts to be the only freshman on the team entering into this team of all upperclassmen. They had already been together for years. And here comes little Cameron Dobbs from Douglasville, Georgia, you know, trying to figure out this whole college thing. And before you knew it, I was fighting for a starting position. So I would start some matches. I would sit the bench some matches. I would be thrown in the middle in the middle of matches. And I was a serious competitor on this Canes team. And we went on that entire season having one of the best in program history teams. So we ended up going to the second round of NCAA tournament, barely lost to Florida in the second round. I still think we should have won, but we'll move on from that for now. (laughs) But it was an incredible season and such a tight knit group. Like to this day, I don't think there's been a more tight knit group at the University of Miami in the volleyball program. It was just incredible experience. And then year two, it was like totally opposite. Like just chemistry was different. We had, I think, six freshmen compared to me being the only one the year before. We had a lot of people graduate. It was just a new, new, entirely new program for the University of Miami. We weren't playing as well. And for me, you know, I went into this year two kind of thinking, okay, year one in my belt. I got this whole college thing now. Like I, I'm getting used to it. I'm not there yet, but I, I'm I'm learning. And so I expect to come in and start my sophomore year and just keep pursuing and being this leader on the team. And not too long after the season started, I got beat out by a freshman. So then I was setting the bench for a little bit, but not for too long because then I decided, you know, I still want to make an impact on this team. I believe I have a voice on the team and I love this team. So I switched positions. So I went from an outside hitter that I trained 10 plus years of my life to switching to a defensive specialist. 
And I worked and I trained as a DS. I was, I was a starting defensive specialist, probably the tallest in the entire nation standing at six foot two, but I was on the court. I was playing and I was loving every minute of it. And then about a week or two goes by of that. And I get my first concussion. So my first brain injury comes here in 2018, my sophomore season, and I'm out for about two and a half weeks, which is not that, not, you know, terribly long of a time, but it's enough for you to lose your position again. The team moves on without you, of course, and life goes on as you heal and get better. So I return to the court and I walk into my head coach's office that day and I just say, Keno, you know, I've already played two positions on this team. If you want me to play a third, I'm down to do whatever to get onto this court and serve this Miami volleyball program. So the next day I switched positions once again, and I was playing as a middle blocker for the University of Miami, a position I had never played in my entire life. And to give perspective for our non-volleyball listeners here is within the span of one month, that's like going from, I'll put it in football terms. I told you I love football. I'll put it in football terms for you. So that's like going from a wide receiver, switching to then being a kicker, and then switching to a defensive lineman at the collegiate level in a span of one month at the University of Miami Power 5 Conference ACC. Like it was insane. Wow, it's impressive. Yeah, I was doing it. It was crazy. So, I mean, it's, I mean, talk about an Ephesians 320 God. It was just absolutely nuts. So that was my sophomore season. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And we get into the April spring season of that year. And this is when concussion number two enters the chat. So I'm blocking in practice. I get an elbow to the head with, from my teammate and that's concussion number two. So I continue, I heal, I get better. I grind through summer season, staying in Miami training and my fall of my junior season comes along. And this is where I feel on top of the world. So to give you some perspective about, you know, heading into my junior season here is I'm the president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the University of Miami, now leading for over two years in that specific role and being there now for three-ish years as a leader. I serve on the executive board of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, both at the University of Miami and at the ACC level. I have a 4.0 GPA, all A's my entire life. I'm top 10% of my class at the University of Miami. I'm thriving in academics, athletics. I'm a captain. I'm a starter. I'm a big position and a big voice on my team. Extracurriculars, I'm killing it. I'm also serving on multiple teams at church. You know, I'm leading Operation Christmas Child and being featured on CNN eventually as a difference maker and hundreds of affiliates across the nation. Just, Mm. I was thriving, to be honest. I was absolutely thriving and I felt so secure in everything that I was doing. From my faith to the volleyball court, I felt great. Felt like you're on top of the world a little bit, right? 100%, 100%. And so I go into this junior season, though it's my third year playing volleyball, it's actually my fourth year of school. So I'm already one full year ahead of the game, entering into my senior year of classes. And then I would plan to graduate early, do an internship in the summer with the ACC network or SEC network, something like that. And then going my senior year of volleyball, I would start my master's wrap up my master's in my last year playing in college. And then I would go play professionally overseas for a couple years before then returning back to the United States to pursue my degree or pursue my career in broadcast journalism, working my way up 
as an ESPN college football sideline reporter. So your girl was on top of the world and had a plan. And it was a great plan. It was nailed down tight. It was perfect. Everyone was on board and it was happening. This this wasn't like shooting for the stars, big dreams, like way out of your league. Like this was my legit step-by-step plan that was going to play out. Um, but you know, Proverbs 1921 says many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Amen. And a lot of people joke with that and say basically that, you know, we can, ma- we can all make our own plans, but God kind of laughs at them. So in a way, that's kind of what happened to my life from here on out. So I enter into this junior season on top of the world, ready to go in life, feeling like I'm set. And all of a sudden my life completely flips upside down. So I go into this junior season and it's one of our first tournaments, first matches of that year of what's supposed to be this great year for me. And I make this sick block move as we're playing the University of South Florida. And as good as that block move was, unfortunately, my hands were just a little bit wide at the top and the ball proceeds to nail me in the forehead, hit me in the head and hit the ceiling of the top of our arena. That's one heck of a hit. hit. Yeah. Pretty hard hit. Um. The minute that happens, I come down and I feel a little out of it. Not enough to come out and sit on the bench, not enough to stop play or anything, but I'm a little out of it. And unfortunately, this was now, as I've mentioned, the third time I felt that way in 12 months. So this is now my third brain injury within one year, within 12 months at the University of Miami. And if you know anything about concussions or even if you just hear the word brain injuries, that's not a good sign. So for me, the next four months looked like this. I had severe headaches, nausea, dizziness, sensitivity to light and noise, so much so that I walked around with headphones, earplugs, hats, and sunglasses to block out any stimulation that would affect my head, my brain, or my eyes or ears or anything. I had every single symptom known to man for a concussion from sleepiness to drowsiness to to feeling like you're in a fog to having trouble concentrating memory loss you name it i had it and that went on for a severe level for four months straight and because of my symptoms my life now looked like this so you know i went from the girl having everything together to the girl having nothing i went from stud in all aspects of my life to dud in all aspects of my life i couldn't go to class anymore I couldn't go to practice anymore. I couldn't watch film anymore. I couldn't even travel with the team anymore. So I was practically ripped away from all of my best friends on the volleyball court and sent into isolation 24-7, sitting in my dark bedroom every single day for four months. As I said, I wasn't in class, so I was constantly behind in schoolwork, going from a straight A student to actually becoming a college dropout in my junior season because my brain physically couldn't handle learning anymore. I couldn't study. I could barely even look at a laptop long enough to email my professors saying that I was struggling so hard. I was on heavy duty medication, so I couldn't drive. My parents had to take shifts moving down to Miami to take care of me, to cook for me, to take me to all of my appointments because though I couldn't do anything, I still had to go to vestibular therapy, which is like brain therapy, cognitive therapy, which is like brain therapy once again, but dealing with the emotional side of things. And also just psychological therapy, because I also on top of everything had depression and anxiety during this time. It was the hardest time of my life. And it was just awful through and through. So as I went through all this, I had all these symptoms. And truthfully, 
the biggest questions on my mind dealing with depression, anxiety were one, when will I get back on the volleyball court and play again? Because that's all I wanted to do. But also two, will I ever live a normal life again? In fact, everyone around me kind of was questioning the same thing. My parents wondered if I would ever return to a fully functioning human being ever again. And we all worried about that. We didn't see it coming. As I said, four months straight, I walked around with sunglasses, earplugs, hats, and headphones. It wasn't a pretty sight in any way, shape, or form. And we joke nowadays that it's like I had the athletic ability of an avocado because I went from being this high caliber athlete and high functioning human being to now literally not being able to do anything. In fact, if you go to my vestibular therapy appointments, my physical therapy part of that that I had to do was walking on a treadmill at a pace of one to two miles per hour for five or 10 minutes a day, three times a week, if and only if my headaches and heart rates could stand it, which is literally snail's pace. Like that's not even a joke here. That is quite literally snail's pace. So going from practicing and lifting and running and lifting and weights and all that for four hours a day, every single day to now only being able to walk at a snail's pace three times a week for 10 minutes was nuts. It was absolutely insane. And it was heartbreaking and depressive and full of anxiety, as I said. And so this was such a hard time for me. And through all that, it didn't get easier. You know, unfortunately, this isn't a story of, oh, you know, but I, I healed quickly after that. And then I got back on the court and then I was ACC player of the year. And then I won a national championship and now I'm playing in the Olympics, like plot twist. (laughs) That that's not what actually happened. And so months later, though, my brain was eventually finally healing, praise God. And I'm not wearing glasses today. I wear a lot of blue light glasses now because my eyes are still pretty sensitive and sunglasses when I'm outside. But other than that, I'm good. Praise God. But my symptoms were so severe and lasted for so long and the sensitivity of my brain remained that the NCAA told me that I was basically a liability and could no longer play volleyball. So the NCAA medically disqualified me, which meant I had to hang up my Hurricanes jersey forever and give up the sport that I loved and still love today. So in January of 2020, I was medically disqualified and my life continued to be really tough because I hit a thing that was called an identity crisis. For me, I grew up in the church. I grew up saying I was a child of God. I knew everything the Bible said through and through, front to back, cover to cover. But when you have everything ripped away from you in a blink of an eye with one bad block move as you are thriving on top of the mountaintop, that's when you really realize that I am just a child of God. And I'm just a child of God. And that's the only thing that matters. And that's the only thing I should ever worry about boasting. Because when we get to heaven one day, you know, we're not going to be looking at that long list of resume that we all have or all of our accolades and awards and how many player of the year awards we got and how many all Americans we were, whatever it might be. We're not going to boast that to God. We're not going to hand that up to him and shout at the top of our lungs on how great we were as human beings or athletes or anything in between. But we're going to talk about how we were children of God. Sure, we might have messed up, whatever, but we're children of God. And that's where our identity lies. Our identity is not in our performance in the court, in the classroom, or in our career. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. And I learned that the hard way. But I learned that. And that has been so vital for me to realize that, man, you're so much more than a student athlete. You're so much more than your sport. Granted, being an athlete and having a sport is such a cool avenue to work with and give glory to God and perform 
perform and use these random athletic skills that God just thought would be so cool to give us as human beings. But we are so much more than that. And our identity is not rooted in our in our sport. It's not. I promise you, I have learned the hard way. I've been in the ups and the downs and everything in between. But man, our identity is in Christ. And that's the only thing that matters, that we are children of God. And I learned that through this this whole entire time and and through my entire medical retirement. And I really have been so grateful for it because, you know, I said many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's Proverbs 19, 21. And I believe that God has given me a voice from day one. Like I said, when I was 13 years old, my mom told me I would be good at communication. And here I am today talking for a living. And God has blessed me with that from day one. And I used that skill from day one as I got to the University of Miami, as I was a college volleyball player, when I was still playing and on the court. But I also think now I have a huge, powerful testimony to go with it that I might not have had if I just continued being successful, to be honest, because it's not always easy to relate to success, but everyone can relate to failure. I can promise you that. And so God has now given me a story, a platform, and a passion behind all that. And so much of my purpose today is speaking about playing where your feet are, because because that's one of the biggest messages I've learned through all this as well. Not only is your identity rooted in Christ... But now that you know your identity, we have an assignment to understand. You know, I love that we learn our identity and we love who we are, but it doesn't just stop there. We don't just know who we are and sit in that. We now have something to do about it. And that is to play where our feet are, to do our best, to be our best, no matter what, no matter where, to live a life full of living amidst any and all circumstances. And you can play where your feet are, whether you're playing or not. So if you are playing and you're on the court, when I was an athlete, I was going to be the best athlete I could be. I was going to be that starter, the captain, compete every single day and push my team to success while I'm on the court. But hey, if I was benched and I was sitting left bench on the sideline, I was still going to be the best where I could be. I was going to be the loudest cheerleader. I was going to call out the entire other team. Whatever I could do to help my teammates, I was going to play where my feet are, whether I'm playing or not. And then when I medically retired and jumped on staff as a coach with Hurricanes Volleyball, I was still playing where my feet were. Again, doing the best and being my best no matter what, no matter where. And it's not easy. And a big part of playing where your feet are is giving yourself grace because your best one day might look different from your best another day. You know, my best today when I'm working out is probably hitting like 25, 35 pound dumbbells. My best when I was a college athlete, I was dumbbell bench pressing 70s and I was feeling good about myself. So it's different today. It's so different today, but it's still my best where my feet are. And that's all that matters. And it's it's specifically play where your feet are, not be where your feet are, because we don't want to just be either. Like I said, we don't want to just know who we are, be self-aware, know our identity in Christ and just sit in it. We want to go like Jesus told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. So we know our identity, but we got to go now. It's go time. It's training season. We get after it. And so you play where your feet are. It's a competitive edge to it. It has fire to it. And it's a whole lot of fun. If you think of back when you were in elementary school playing on a playground, that is a whole lot of fun. And that's what I want to do every single day, no matter what, no matter where, is play where my feet are. And guess what? It's play where your feet are and not stay where your feet are because right. play is a continual competitive nature. It's continually improving. It's forever changing, forever learning and forever figuring out what you can do to continue to better yourself because 
Look, we all have big dreams. We all have big goals and they might be miles ahead of us, but we can't get there unless we play where our feet are today, taking one step after another exactly in the position we have because every position you're in has impact and has purpose. And that's exactly what play where your feet are is. I love that. No, I, I, you went ahead and already answered my next question on that. So thank <laughs> you so much. I really want to be able to put the uh, play where your feet are uh, website in, in our show notes uh, and as well, just being able to plug people into what you're doing. I love Love hearing that. And and what people don't know, what people aren't seeing at this moment is we're using a free version of Zoom. So we have about six minutes and 50 seconds left to be able to, to do this interview. So, um, you know, you're currently in a role with the, with the University of Miami. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. So my title, which first and foremost, let me just say how cool it is and how God is such an Ephesians 3.20 God that I'm now working at my alma mater, have an office right around the corner from my college coach's office. I walked in the in the same hallways and gyms that I did every single day as a college athlete. It's so fun and I love it. And I'm so blessed to be in this position. But my position is the manager of sponsorship content and on-air host. So long story short, I talk for a living, whether that's for the Miami Hurricanes, in-game hosting for Hurricanes Women's basketball, occasionally men's basketball, or all baseball season long, or you're going to see me speaking uh, to a camera with a mic on a jumbotron, whether it's Hard Rock Stadium, whether it is Watsco Center, or online running four of my social media shows. I do a lot of storytelling as well. So coaches interviews, players interviews, interviews with strength and staff at the University of Miami and more. I love being a storyteller. I love showcasing our athletes for more than their athletic skills, as I've mentioned. So talking more about their personalities, their passions and their perseverance is, is a big passion of mine too. But I love covering the hurricanes. In short, I'm basically the team reporter for all 18 sports at the U and I love every single second of it. Wow. So you're a very, very busy person. And, and you little know, bit, I, little bit. <laughs> I love hearing that. So you talked a little bit about FCA uh, and, and you were actually part of FCA in Miami. And, um, you know, I want to hear a little bit about your FCA journey. Oh my goodness. Incredible. So I grew up knowing what FCA was. We didn't have it at my school because I went to a Christian school. So I guess it's not really needed when okay, yeah. <laughs> you go to a Christian school and you already have Bible class every single day. But my dad was on the board in Atlanta for a little bit growing up, and he was always very connected to FCA in, in the area. And so I always knew what it was. And when I got on campus day one in 2017, I knew I wanted to get plugged in. And I did just that. I ran into Mike Blanc and Derry Beverly literally at the Jamba Juice on campus and was plugged in immediately to the leaders group chat, text messages. And soon enough, I was really leading the leaders. And then soon enough, after that, I became president of FCA at Miami. So I was president for three and a half years, served on the leadership committee for one year before that, and had had just the absolute best time of my life. And it was really cool using my position and my skills as a broadcast journalist, as a communicator, to lead our social media, to help do intros and outros for all of our meetings, to help with a lot of the production that we put into our meetings, and so much more, as well as, of course, lead Operation Christmas Child every year, serving with our FCA and entire Miami community and also going on a mission trip to, to the Dominican Republic. So I love our FCA so much. We actually have it tonight. I may, I may run by a little bit and see what's going on. Uh, but I love FCA with my whole heart. My best friends have come out of that group and it's just, it's such a special experience that truly made my college experience. No, I love hearing that. We actually have later on tonight, Kaiser University, we have our FCA meeting tonight. Amazing. So I'm actually going to be leaving here and heading straight to that <laughs> when we get done here. So Cameron, thank you so much for joining us on the FCA Palm Beach County. 
County Podcast. Thank you so much for you being a light for Jesus and just your testimony uh, within the sports community. So uh, again, thank you for being a part of this. We're so glad and and, and can't wait to, to do more with you. Amen to that. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, letting me share a little bit more of my story today. And just for anyone that might be listening, feel free to reach out. You can, I always joke that the doors to my DMs are wide open. So feel free. You can drop a note in my DM, whatever it might be. If you want to ask about my story, if you want to learn more about what I do or simply just want to be friends, I am all for it. So feel free. Anyone and everyone is welcome to reach out, check out my book for more, check out my merchandise, whatever it might be. All things play where your feet are my podcast as well. Well, it's all super fun and we have lots of exciting things going on. So would love to further connect or just have you be a part of the Play Where You Feed Our family too. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We couldn't do this ministry without you and your generosity. If you'd like to learn more, please visit fcapbc.org. Also, if you'd like to support FCA, there will be links in the show notes. Clinics and podcasts take resources to complete and you make this possible. Thank you so much for helping us bring coaches and athletes into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church in Palm Beach County. Also, we just recently started an FCA Palm Beach County podcast Instagram. Make sure on Instagram you go to FCA PBC podcast and check us out. We'll see you next time.